Hello, welcome once again to a Westworld Podcast: Bullets, Brothels, and Butts. I am one of your co-hosts from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Now, uh, a couple of things, uh, house cleaning. Uh, First off, Eric, you do three other podcasts. I do. Uh, One of them is a general interest podcast that I record myself with my buddy Dan called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Stitcher and in the iTunes store. The other two I do are spinoffs of the Dark Discussions. Sorry. Where am I? What day is it? Uh, Okay. The other two I do are related to this one. One of them is the parent podcast, Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror, film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. Uh, this podcast that we're doing here is a spinoff of that one. And there's another spinoff we do as well called You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, uh, which is recorded when Game of Thrones is on the air, which is not right now. Uh, right now, Westworld is on the air, so we're talking about that instead. Right. And when you were introducing uh, the or speaking of the Dark Discussions podcast, I was waiting for you to continue and say, I am one of your co-hosts tonight, Phil, and, and from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. And with me in the state of Michigan. <laughs> Because it's the same spiel on that one as, as the others. So. Yeah, we we do end up saying a lot of circular stuff, don't we? We do, we do. And Mike, besides doing uh, two other podcasts, uh, you also do a genre blog? Yeah, uh, it's called Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. Very good. And uh, for uh, Westworld Podcast, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, uh, this is under darkdiscussions.com is the website. Uh, however, to find us, you can find us on Stitcher and iTunes under a Westworld podcast, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, or under the Dark Discussions podcast feed as well. Uh, some folks like uh, our other podcasts, so they, they uh, actually go with uh, the Dark Discussions. Also, uh, we would appreciate anybody that listens to this podcast to take a little time off and write a review on iTunes. At the moment, I believe we have 10 reviews for Bullets, Brothels, and Bots. Uh, however, the more, the better, because then we'll uh, go up higher in the rankings for Westworld podcasts. And uh, unlike some of them that are higher than us on the rankings, uh, we've been around longer. So it would be greatly appreciated. Yes, yes. Um, also, uh, Phil, Phil, we were around for like a minute and a half longer. It, that's true. That's true. But either way, we, we were there for a minute and a half. Long. It's still factually correct. That's right. And we were also mentioned on the Huffington Post uh, uh, website, which was uh, kind of cool. Now, um, other things is on the darkdiscussions.com uh, website. There's a list of all the podcasts. You can actually listen to all of uh, this podcast on that website. Uh, and we do have a Dark Discussions podcast Facebook group, which is where we discuss uh, this podcast. And then we have a Twitter account, Dark Discussion One, and an email, darkdiscussions at aol.com. Uh, so, Dark Discussions, all communication and uh, listener activity is all under Dark Discussions. And if folks need to uh, know how to get to those things and they forget, 
uh, because they're in their car and they can't write these things down, you can go to darkdiscussions.com and at the bottom of every page of darkdiscussions.com uh, links to all these things, including Stitcher and iTunes and Facebook and so forth. Now, um, let's see, a couple of things. We have a... Um, uh, viewership from last week's episode of Westworld, which was called uh, Contrapasso, and that's uh, 1.49 uh, million, which is actually Ooh, the lowest. Again. Yeah, it's the lowest so far, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, it's dropped. Uh, not sure what that means, even though most people so far uh, said it was possibly the best episode of the series, uh, depending on. Uh, uh, at least out of the first five, because uh, the sixth um, just came out yesterday. Uh, t- today is November 7th, and we're recording um, about the episode number six called The Adversary. Adversary is uh, directed by Frederick Toy. Frederick Toy is a director that has done humongous amounts of television. Uh, some of the shows that he has done is Fringe, uh, Lost, Alias, um, uh, Ghost Whisperer, CSI New York, uh, The Good Wife, and of course, Persons of Interest, which is uh, Jonathan Nolan's other television show. Um, and it is written by uh, Jonathan Nolan and a woman named Haley Gross. Haley Gross is a television actress uh, on numerous shows, mostly. Um, guest stars on television shows like soap operas and, and police procedurals. But otherwise, um, she hasn't uh, done too much, uh, though um, I assume she'll uh, be part of uh, Jonathan Nolan's stable of writers going forward. She actually um, uh, co-wrote uh, next week's episode as well, and we'll worry about that on, on next week's episode uh, of this podcast when we discuss that episode um so uh before we get into our thoughts of this new episode the adversary uh does anybody have any news related to westworld or science fiction or robots that would indirectly relate to westworld any news anybody no all right but we do have uh one email uh let's uh talk about that it's by a listener named sean fox sean fox is a a contributor on the Facebook group, not as much as he used to, uh, but uh, we do see him occasionally, and uh, he is one of our uh, many listeners, and he uh, has written numerous emails to us and is actually um, uh, nice enough to donate to the podcast on our Patreon page. Um, But uh, this is what he has to say. Uh, Westworld, the adversary. Uh, He wrote this at noon today. He goes, hi, guys. Just a quick email about this episode and the series so far. But first, I wish you guys all the best with the presidential election on Tuesday. To whomever takes over, please don't nuke us or mess with our emails north of your border. Uh, He's from Canada, so that's the joke there. I have found the last couple of episodes really strong and leaving me anxious with anticipation for more. I won't get into the details that you fine gentlemen will go through for us, but I must say this has become my favorite show, and aside from the one episode which was weak, this series just gets better with each new edition. Much like the Dark Discussions-verse, each episode of Westworld gets stronger and provides 
even further entertainment, enjoyment, and a thirst for more. I only hope they can continue to share your dedication, diligence, determination, and quest for excellence. I thank you, as always, for all your hard work. You all are always welcome in our land, as long as you don't bring Kang and Kodos, a.k.a. <laughs> Trump and Hillary, with you. Sean from St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. All right, and he's referring to uh, tomorrow, uh, which will be November 8th, uh, of the United States presidential election, where we will choose a new president that will go into office, I think, in February next year. January 20th. I'm not going to talk about it on this podcast. Jan- January 20th, yes. Um, but I was just mentioning that Eric, to, as reference for for what he was implying in the in the email, because some, it, some people may have missed that that was going on. Just <laughs> that's right, that's right. Well, you know, if if I live in a foreign country, I'd give a rat's ass what's going on in, in the U.S. of A. Why, why why do I care what's going on in Sweden or or any of those other countries that are called Sweden? Some other time, I'll I'll have a conversation with you about why that's different. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Anyway. Um, Let's uh, talk Westworld, uh, the HBO television series based on Michael Crichton's uh, fantastic uh, idea, uh, which it was, became a movie in the 70s. We discussed that on episode one of this podcast. But uh, what do we think of this episode? Mike, uh, I, I think I saw somewhere on the Internet that you actually may have said that you like this episode the best of all. Uh, I might. Um, I thought it was a really, really solid episode. Um a lot of information out and um i think uh, i actually thought very strongly about the music which kind of helped with the pacing um and i just found it totally engrossing as we went through and i think it helped a bit uh that it did as i think happened two episodes ago they just dropped out one subplot and so that i think helped keep it help it a little bit more focused on what we were seeing I understand the need sometimes to do uh, things like the uh, the Game of Thrones structure, where you focus a little bit on a story each week. But that also, unfortunately, tends to have uh, the problem of killing a lot of momentum, where it feels like you're not making any progress, because you're only seeing like five minutes of a storyline every seven days. So I think having you know being able to put a because yeah, they're not juggling a lot of storylines here. we got like three. So by putting one aside, that gives about another 10 or 15 minutes to a single storyline and allows it to progress a little further. At least that's my suspicion. All right. Very well. Uh, what about yourself, Eric? Uh, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. Um, I agree with everything that Mike just said. I, I think they're doing the right thing by cutting some uh, plot lines out entirely and focusing on what they are telling uh i think it makes what they're concentrated on more interesting because uh, there's more of it so looks like they learned something from game of thrones although i wasn't on board with this in the first like two episodes because we hadn't really gotten familiar with everybody enough yet to drop somebody completely in my opinion uh but at this point i think it's the way to go um i i really enjoyed i thought it was solid um, got some answers, and at the end of this episode, I've got to say that Maeve has become my favorite character. All right, very good. Um, yeah, I I actually didn't even notice that the Dolores William Logan story 
or Dolores, period, her character, um, wasn't even presented once in the episode until this morning. Uh, the day after, I was like uh, looking through our Facebook page group, and um, I had posted a uh, um, post on that earlier in the day saying only 12 hours to Westworld with Dolores's character or the actress uh, Evan Rachel Wood, uh, who plays Dolores. Uh, this p- post I wrote... Uh, uh, Westworld in 12 hours, and then I posted a picture of uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Um, and when I saw that this morning, I was like, oh, yeah, she wasn't even in the episode at all. So that well, was kind of, yeah, it, I, I mean, that I think that sh- demonstrates how, how well this episode played out. Uh, and Mike, you were the one that posted on a Facebook group that made me think of that, which is they didn't focus on the whole ensemble cast this week. They focused on a limited number of stories. And as a result, um, it worked not only very well, but it made me forget all about other storylines uh, that are part of the show uh, that weren't included. So um, I would say that is a positive for this episode. And, yeah, I, I think the last three episodes for sure have been very strong. And um, this one uh, was, was definitely one of the, one of the better uh, episodes of the season, I thought. Um, all right, so um, what? How do we want to begin? Uh, I, what did you think of the the cheat? And when I say the cheat is last week um, in Contra Paso, they ended with uh, Meve, uh holding the bird, the robotic bird, in her hand, saying, "We need to talk to Fe- uh, Felix, the the techie." And then they just flash forward, who knows how long, and they have the meet again, but through uh, Meve purposely having herself be murdered so she could reawaken, you know, behind uh, the scenes back in the um, techie lab. Uh, But it was just weird how they didn't start right from where she was holding the bird. It it was a little unusual. I don't think I classified it as a cheat necessarily. Um, We're not going to see every single thing that every single character says. Um, that being said, I was expecting to start with her with the bird on her finger and we didn't. So it was a little weird. Yeah. I'm not sure if, and this is a little confusing with, uh, perhaps with the editing. I was wondering if, was that how she ended up back in the, uh, in the lab from last week? Because we just saw her sew up, right? We didn't see how she died that time. Yeah, that's true. I that time was when she got shot to pieces through the door. Oh yeah, yeah. That may that's that could have been. I, true. I, I'll need to go back and take a look. But yeah, yeah it's um, yeah. Either, I don't know. Either either way, I, I actually had to stop the episode and go back. You know, you know, because I'm using HBO now. Uh, go back to the the main menu of Westworld to make sure I didn't skip an episode on a stake <laughs> because I literally thought, Oh, maybe they released two episodes and I, I better go back and watch episode six. And this well, one. they do do that sometimes. They do. They do. do. Um, however, however, no, that wasn't the case. It was just this weird jump where, um, the exposition of what, of me talking to Felix happens in a different day rather than the day when the, the bird, uh, was on her finger, which I, I thought was a little odd. That's all. Uh, you know, it's just a nitpick. It's not anything significant, but it was just a little odd, I thought. 
Um, now, uh, what, what do you guys want to talk about first? Uh, I mean, we don't have to go scene by scene. We can just do storyline by storyline because there is there's uh, so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, can we go with what I think the storyline that has the least obvious ramification throughout the show is, is the uh, the one with the man in black and Teddy. Do you want to start there? Okay. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's fair. The man in black has uh, recruited Teddy to try and help him find um, the maze. He wants to get to the middle of the maze and find out what's there. Uh, and he's pretty much tricked him into helping by telling him that Dolores has been kidnapped. Uh, so he's got him there under false pretenses. We'll see. We'll see what happens when that truth is un- unwrapped. Because. Um, this episode, we got to see that Teddy might not be somebody to fuck with. Um, <laughs> so they're going and they're trying to get there and they come across some Union troops um, that are in their way. Uh, and they decide to just like cut right through. And one of the Union soldiers recognizes Teddy Flood um, and accuses him of slaughtering a bunch of people along with Wyatt. Um, and we kind of see a flashback from Teddy's POV that, yeah, he was there helping Wyatt kill all the people in that town. Um, and then he gets mad and he shoots the guy that brought it up (laughs) and as well as a bunch of other people. Um, the man in black is, is, is surprised by this, um, and, and helps him shoot a bunch of people before the two of them are captured, taken prisoner. Uh, and it looks like the one guy is planning on branding Teddy with, uh, he just happens to have an iron that's shaped like the maze, which is a little weird, but okay. Well, Eric, do you remember before they get captured, Teddy gives that interesting story about what's the maze. Uh, basically, the black man in black says, what's your opinion of the maze? And, or give me the history of what you heard of it. And it's supposed to be a another again, Mike. How we we talked about the the um, the techie suit people are part of uh, Native American mythology in this show. Um, they make the maze as a Native American god or something that is sitting at the end of the maze or something. Right, someone who's died again and again and has built himself up the wall to stop himself from being hurt anymore. Um. And made it so complicated, only he can get in and out of it. Yeah, and I think Eric, that's even though it is weird that maybe the union folk are going to brand him with it. Um, it again, it, it at least brings in two things: one, that the maze is just this mystery thing that nobody knows about, but it appears that everybody knows about it because it's just part of Native American mythology. So. That people don't really think well, much about it, maybe? I, I I don't know. I was under the impression that the maze and all references to the maze really didn't exist until Ford unleashed his new storyline. That that was my impression. What do you guys well, think? No, because the, the storyline hadn't been unleashed by the time we got to... Wasn't it episode two where we scalped... Well, not we. Where the men in black scalped the one guy and got the maze inside... Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling, because he had to be, you have a reason for looking for the maze. So, it's, in, it's they talked about it in terms of it being an Easter egg. 
So I can imagine where there are certain storylines that have been playing out throughout Westworld's history where there have been hints and clues as to the maze. We saw last week the, the caskets, right, had the maze stamped on them. So the brand with these Union soldiers would be another one. The inside of this one person's scalp, and we don't know if it would be anybody else's scalp as well, but at least this one guy's scalp has the maze on it. So there's clues pointing to a maze existing because it's hard to have a massive Easter egg like that and expect people to find it without at least letting them know that it's there. Well, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it was the fact that the man in black did scalp that person and find the map of the maze because really everything we saw referring to the maze happened after that. Maybe it unlocked something like a video game. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm just under the impression that these that the, the appearance of the maze in Westworld is a new thing. I don't think like these coffins with the stamps on them have been around for the past 30 years. That at least that's, I don't know why I think that, but I think, well, that. we can get to that later. Okay. Okay. And, and then the second thing I was going to bring up, um, based off of what the union guy was going to do to Teddy flood is that the maze is almost, again, this is just me maybe overthinking, but maybe it's a symbol of, of, um, um, like being tired and feathered, um, for whatever reason. So, um, I don't know. I'm just who knows. I mean, why? Why else would he, would he be doing it? Um, it's a good question. I don't know. Um, but Eric, so yeah, explain what happens after, right? They they break out. Yeah, basically, before it can be branded, he breaks his uh, the rope that's tying him up, and uh, he and Man in Black take out. Pretty much this entire group of soldiers. Uh, Teddy hops up on a wagon that has a Gatlin gun and takes out at least a dozen people with it, uh, which is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> and I gotta say, uh, I watched, I got a chance to watch the episode for a second time before we recorded tonight, and I gotta give uh, whoever was doing the sound effects in this scene uh, did a fantastic job because a lot of times um, sound effects will be either. Um, too exaggerated or or not present enough. Uh, but Teddy, when he escaped at first, grabbed the iron that they were going to brand him with. And first he shoved it in the face of the guy that was going to do it to him. And then he started using it to hit people with. And the sound they had for the sound of that iron hitting people was just perfect. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was awesome watching him take swings at people with that iron because the sound it made when it connected was just that's the sound it would have made. It was perfect. And uh, the thing that was funny too about, or I should say ironic too about this, is that um, the man in black, after they escape, just wants to leave. And and Teddy comes out and shows the, the badass that he his character really is, which is he says, um, no, we got to take them all out because they're just going to follow us and come after us until the, you know they capture us. <laughs> and then that and that's the reason why he gets on the Gatling and it just kills everybody uh, without even thinking twice about it. Um, Mike, you mentioned last week or the week before that you were thinking that maybe Teddy is actually supposed to be Wyatt. Do you still believe that? Well, not that Teddy's supposed to be Wyatt, that some people had proposed that idea that Teddy was Wyatt. That I think you're getting that maybe from one of the articles or something. Oh, okay. So it's not something that, that originated with me. It was just one supposition people were, And I actually have a thought on who Wyatt, Wyatt might be, but we'll 
Uh, we might want to save that for later. Um, but yeah, the idea that I don't know Teddy is now revealed himself to be more of a badass and less of a bland vanilla character than he's been up through this point in the series. And again, if you're paying attention to the series, we know that this backstory for Teddy has only, if it's ever been written before, it's never been part of the game before. You know, it's only been uploaded into his personality recently. Right. So it's he's always had a mysterious backstory that he had never been aware of because according to uh, somebody had never been written before. So this they may be changing the character or maybe it was already something there that he wasn't aware of or what have you. But yeah, so it's just interesting to see him change. And I'd kind of like to see this continue because James Marsden can be a really, really dull character when he's playing the vanilla hero. And he does that really well. And I think that's what his job has been up to this point. But this might make him a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Now, they don't have to turn around and make him, you know, an all-out, an out-and-out villain, but it would be an interesting twist. To be the uh, anti-hero. Yeah, that he ends up being an anti-hero, just as we had, um, what's her name? Dolores switch from being Damn the damsel, yeah. you know, that he's becoming a badass, the, although, it, so it's up, it's uh, for different reasons, but it's still shaking up the audience's expectations. Right, so becoming a... Uh a Batman rather than um, a Superman or a Punisher. Who knows? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or he could right. just be a reformed villain. Yeah. Yeah. That's true too. You never know. Um, so yeah, that was curious. And I think uh, uh, this is where the man in black is really shocked um, because uh, <laughs> he, he says, you think, you know, someone, <laughs> Ooh, that, Teddy, was a, that was a pretty then, funny line. And then Teddy says something interesting, too. He goes, you don't know um, me at all, mister, uh, or something like that. And uh-huh. um, that was almost like the first time that Teddy actually turned back or turned around uh, from being the goody good two-shoes two or whatever and actually talked back to the man at black, which was kind of surprising, huh? I was a little bit shocked about that too, and and that shows another character trait that is different. And I don't I don't know if it if it and I, I don't know. I'm thinking I'm agreeing with uh, you, Mike, that he must have changed recently. His, his programming changed recently the moment they decided to add the Wyatt story because I don't think he well, would have talked maybe. back like that. You know, well, all right, explain, Eric. Uh, is this, well, we'll get into later. Somebody's discovered that uh, somebody's been uh, intentionally making changes. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That, well, all right. Well, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, so either way, someone's been making changes, whether it's because of the Wyatt storyline and it's right. programming, or if it's uh, sabotage. Yeah, changes are happening. We don't know who who did it for sure. All right. Uh, any further things about the Man in Black story, or, or that was pretty much it? I, I don't know. Uh, That's pretty much it. It was just fucking yeah. awesome to watch Teddy mow down people with a Gatling gun. Yep. All right. Uh, now let, let's talk about um, another short storyline uh, that was probably the one of the lesser interesting storylines 
uh, even though I'm sure it, it obviously has something uh, big uh, to go about. Uh, but the English dude. Um, <laughs> what's his what name? What's that character? Lee Sizemore is the character's name, yeah. Lee, okay. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about him. Uh, it appears that he's on sick leave or he took personal time off or vacation time. And instead he's of leaving... a big fucking baby and couldn't handle that his narrative was shot down. Um, and then he didn't leave the complex. He stayed um, on on site at, the, I guess, the recreational area for employees. Or something. I, I think that might just be an area for guests. Yeah, you um, yeah. It's sort of the lounge. I imagine you yeah. know if you need to, if you need a break from your vacation. Right. Right. Yeah. A less stressful real world where you want a bath and and modern stuff. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. Okay. So he is there boozing it up, uh, which is fine. Uh, but he, you know he's the pompous ass. Um, he's the type of guy that, even though they don't show it, he's definitely the type of guy that would look at the waiter and go, "You're stupid. Get me a, something right." You know. Oh course. yeah, this guy is just a fucking dick. I don't yeah. like him one bit. In case you couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. <laughs> I, I can. I, I would agree with that statement. Um, uh, the the line that summed him up was, uh, "The tortured artist is only interesting for the artist." If you're an artist, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that, that was a great, <laughs> great line. But we'll discuss that in a second when we get there. But uh, uh, basically, uh, Teresa Collins, the COO of Westworld, uh, comes to talk to him. Yep, and she's basically like, "You don't look sick. Get back to work." And he's like, "I can't. He didn't accept my narrative." Wow. Um, and she's like, "Suck it up. Get over it." He's like, she's like, Ford's new storyline is fucking everything up. There's, there's robots going off their loops. Uh, there's holes in storylines. We need you to fill them in. Get back to work. And he's like, no, I'm not going to. Um, and then this super hot woman walks up to the bar, um, and he goes and tries to hit on her and talks about how he's the man that that writes all the stories and everything. And at this point, Teresa has left. Um, and he's trying to hit on this woman, and the bartender uh, cuts him off and won't give him another drink. And he's like, he pulls the "Do you?" That's another sure sign of a dick, by the way. Is he pulls the "Do you know who I am?" Uh, and he's like, "Yes, actually, I do." Uh, and I have a message for you from Teresa. She says, "The tortured artist thing only works if you're an artist. Uh, sober up and get back to work." <laughs> So he basically gets cut down to size right in front of the woman he's trying to pick up. Uh, and she goes away and says, call me. And he's like, but I don't know your name. Nah. <laughs> so um, after that, uh, we next see Lee when he is drunk as a skunk. I guess he was already drunk as a skunk. Uh, but he decides to make sure everybody knows exactly how he feels. So he goes into the little uh, to the central room they have with the the map of Westworld, the holographic map. Um, and from up in a balcony, he starts pissing on it, uh, talking about how he's pissing all over this world and about how he controls it and he's the master of the world and he'll do whatever he wants. Uh, and oh, and he uses the derogatory language about Ford. He uses derogatory language about Teresa. Collins and that was it was and she's standing right behind him. Yeah, it uh. was it was it was interesting too because 
he calls her a Danish bitch. And uh-huh. unless, unless we know the actress, which the three of us do because of our, our mispronunciation of the name and our Danish listener, Yannick, uh, mentioned that to us, um, we wouldn't have never known that she, otherwise that she was Danish. Right. And, and because her last name is Collins, which is a typical English name. So uh, that was an interesting um, thing. So it must be like a, a married name, I would guess. But uh, it was just an interesting uh, little tidbit that they threw in. And as you said, Eric, she's right behind him. Uh, and the more interesting thing is that also right behind him, uh, Teresa says, oh, yeah, by the way, and he turns around. Uh, he's been pissing on the map, and when she says something, he turns around because he's surprised that she's standing right behind him. It doesn't zip up his pants. Um, so he's just standing there with his dick hanging out. Uh, and Teresa's like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, I want you to meet Charlotte Hale, the, the, the head of our board of directors. Uh, and it's the woman he was trying to pick up at the bar. Um <laughs> She's clearly not impressed, uh, either by his personality or by what's hanging out of his pants. Now, yeah, I thought that no, was no. for me one of the off notes because I felt so, and I kind of saw it coming. It felt right. so sitcommy when he like looks at the ones and says, you don't know who you're talking to. It's like eh, okay, I know this is going to bite her, bite him in the ass later, and she's going <laughs> to turn out to be the executive, even though she's like 14 years old or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's. Uh, it, it just felt a little weird, and I don't know where they're going with this. This is a storyline that they've neglected for a couple of episodes now. Right. And so – and again, it's to their benefit because the other episodes have been doing just fine without it. But I'm hoping that they go somewhere interesting with it. Well, well yeah, I couple, think the shit's about to hit the fan with the corporate storyline. Well, yeah, I think I think two things. One – this is the storyline that's going to have the the war between Ford and somebody, and I think they're setting up Lee to be that person. Um, that's just a guess um, because um, the reason he's all drunk and pissed off is basically because of Ford. So I'm thinking that's where that's going, and they're going to use him to try to push out Ford maybe. Um, and uh, the other thing is, is I wish... I had bosses like this because anybody else would have been fired immediately. We would have been arrested for sexual harassment because of, you know, just pulling out your cock uh, in some right. states. Yeah. You, you can, you can be arrested as, as a sexual uh, deviant. So, uh, he must be pretty damn good. <laughs> it's Westworld. Do you have any idea how far you got to go to be labeled a sexual deviant in Westworld? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, as an employee, but yeah, that's a fair point too, Mike, but, but either way, he must be a pretty damn good employee if they're willing to tolerate this bullshit because in, in any other company uh, he would have been not only fired, but he would have been escorted out with oh, yeah. security, you know? Yep. I mean, so it was, it was a little comedic and I think it fit, fit out of place as much as him not knowing that she, or us, the audience not figuring out that this woman was going to be someone of importance with the company. Um, so I think those two things fell flat for me. Um, not just, yeah, yeah go I, I, I think Lee is supposed to be the comic relief, but he's just not that funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess you're right. Uh, especially since how he's portrayed is, is so disgusting. And, um, 
again, if you look at it realistically, most people would have been immediately grabbed by security and thrown out. So it, it was just hard to, to, to get into the story because it seems... Well, he's, that, he's the head writer, right? So, I mean, he's the head of the writing staff. Mm-hmm. Right. So well, if, I, if, that, if you're a VP or if you're a principal at your school, Mike, or my VP came in and pissed on the floor... They'd be fired and escorted out by security, wouldn't they? Yeah, that's good, but this is this isn't that. This is this is the equivalent of Hollywood, and there are some, I'm sure, far worse stories of people behind the scenes of the quote unquote talent doing shit that's worse than just pissing on the map. Yeah, <laughs> and being allowed to get away with it because, well, they're the boss, or because they're they're the creative talent, they're the name that 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 drives the revenue, what have you. Right, and um, there must be a reason, and we'll find out probably in an upcoming episode why Teresa Collins didn't immediately say you're fired, or the woman from the board of directors didn't immediately say you're fired. Right? I mean, we're going to figure that out, obviously, I would think. Right. Either that, or the next episode is going to start with him being fired. Right, right. So who knows, or or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it was interesting. I mean, it was a out of the whole episode, I think it was probably the the, the weakest two scenes. Um, Agreed. Yeah, the pool scene and, and the pissing scene. Um, so well, right. and it, but it feels like that storyline is just beginning. So yep. I want to be careful about pissing on it too much. Pardon the the pun. Right. All right. Uh, any any further things about uh, the Lee storyline? Nope. Fuck that, dude. Let's move on. Okay. Lee's going to be the hero of the whole thing. Oh, God. That would be funny, to be <laughs> that honest. Would, that would be horrible. Uh, it would be original, though. Unexpected. And that's all you care about. You don't care about if it's good or if it makes sense, as long as it's not expected. Well, I want it, I want it to be good. <laughs> I still want it to be good. It's just That uh, wouldn't uh, be good. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and, and why, um, why did we call them English? Aren't they all Swedes? <laughs> They're all Swedes. No, he's not blonde. In- including the Danish one. She's a Swede, too. Yeah, she's a Swede. Well, uh, what was it, Micah? You made a reference to Japanese uh, a couple of weeks ago on one of our podcasts, and I said, aren't they all Swedes? And you, you, we all agreed that they were. Yes, so. okay. Yeah, and that, for those who are, who are again, not longtime listeners, this goes all the way back to the uh, the Thing episode of Dark Discussions podcast. Yes, John Carpenter is the thing where... where uh, um, Kurt Russell's character says, hey, Sweden. And the, the doc says, they're not Swedes, Beck. They're Norwegians. <laughs> you know, and, he, and, he, and the whole movie just keeps on saying Swedes, even though they're, they're not. So that's, that's the funny reference. But anyway, um, where do we want to go next on uh, uh, this episode? What, what scenes? Uh, because a lot of them now, I think, are really interlinked, right? Th- those were the only two that weren't necessarily fully interlinked and could have been put in different episodes but everything else fits together um let's talk about well yeah i guess bernard's storyline is kind of tied in with ford's and they kind of all dovetail into uh ellie um what's the best way to talk about this i guess uh the episode at the very beginning Ellie is uh, trying to talk to Bernard about what she found in the uh, host in the last episode, uh, which was a transmitter that would uh, send information to a satellite. So they're I was right, out. Eric. I was right. 
Well, not no, yet. You, no, no, you weren't actually. Well, because um, right, I, I said the man in black was probably uh, espionage for a company, but well, and, and was, also if you were paying attention, yeah, well, we'll get to it. Um, but so she's trying to follow up with Bernard on that, and so they're trying to figure out uh, what the what the woodcutter was doing, uh, where he was going, and where he was uh, aiming his transmitter. Um, so they figure out they can find out uh, his geolocation by accessing an old system. Uh, so Bernard goes down to level B82. That's a lot of basements. Um, oh, we got an awesome Easter egg here. That exactly. I, yes. Yep. Yes. I was uh, very did you guys pleased. Not- did you guys notice it when you – or I didn't know oh, one of our listeners mentioned it. Okay. I missed it the first time. I went back. I did, and someone just said there was an Easter egg, and I went back and looked, and the, and yeah, I saw it. No, I caught it the first just time. There for a second. Yeah, his uh, flashlight washes over him. I was like, wait, was that? <laughs> so I rewound it. I was like, yep, sure was. Uh, when Bernard's down there on level B eighty two, he's poking around with a flashlight because not all the facilities are working. Um, and his flashlight plays across. It looks like the original Man in Black. Uh, in the background, just standing there, motionless. That's right, uh, Johnny so that Cash. Was, that was Yule pretty Brenner. cool. Your brother, your brother, not Johnny Cash. Well, you couldn't see his face; it was out of focus. But we assume it's Yule. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was very cool. Um, I that was a that was an awesome little moment. And then uh, he goes to an old system down there. I don't know why the computers are still working, but the lights aren't. But anyway, um, and he accesses this geocache to find out where the woodcutter is. Um, or where he was when he made his transmission. And so he gets the location, um, and then the computer tells him that there's five other anomalies. He's like, what? And he looks up where they're located, and they're all located in, what, Sector 17 or some such? And he's like, he's like what are these? Uh, what are these hosts? And the computer tells him I don't, that they're not in the system. So he's like, well, I should probably go check this out. Uh, and he goes out there and in, in District 17 finds a little house in the country uh, and walks in and finds a family there. Uh, and it's a father and mother and two children and a dog. And uh, he's like, who are, you? who are you? Are you Arnold? And the father of the family starts to get all upset and is like, you're trespassing. And he starts to attack Bernard. And Bernard says, stop motor functions. And the guy keeps coming. And he says, freeze motor functions. And then the guy keeps coming. Uh, and he's, like, trying to attack Bernard. And Bernard's freaking out at this point because his voice commands aren't working. Uh, well, and don't forget the son of the, of the father says, Dad, don't do not do that. He, the man's just lost. He's just looking for help. Oh, did he? I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it shows that the, the father's this unhinged kook. I mean, he had a point, which is okay. You're you're in my house, but it wasn't like the guy was any harm, and and he was. Well, like, just, yeah, so I'd be a little pissed if somebody wandered into my house too. Uh, yeah. But just at that point, Robert Ford, Doctor Robert Ford, steps out from wherever the fuck he was. The shadows. Uh, and yeah, there were no shadows. So it was broad daylight. Anyway, uh, and he tells the host to stop, and they do. And Bernard's all shaken up because his voice command didn't work, and and Robert Ford's are like mine do um and it turns out that these 
Uh, and to clear this up for you, Phil, the dog is a robot. Um, right, right. So the five anomalies were these four people and the dog. Um, but he is a real dog. No, no, he's a robot dog. No, but he's a real dog. Because he's not a little. He's not oh, a little yippee oh, 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 he's not a little dog. Okay, I he's, got he's you. He's not a little handbag accessory. He's, he's a real robot dog. Right, so uh, his later demise is something that matters. It is, it is. Um, <laughs> so, uh, basically, Robert tells Bernard that these are five of the original hosts built by Arnold. Uh, and that Arnold built them for him as a gift. Because uh, he had told him about this uh, trip they took where they stayed in his country house, and it was the best memory he had of his childhood. Or I think he says the only happy memory he has of his childhood. The only. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, was, uh, which was definitely a weak moment for the doctor to say, because I'm, I was surprised that he, he would he would admit that publicly. Yeah. Well, it wasn't really publicly. There was only one other person in the room. But well, anyway. That's true. That's true. Um, so he basically tells him that, yeah, Arnold Arnold made these robots and he's been maintaining them himself for the past however many years. Um, and he's added to their behavior to make them a little more realistic because Arnold made flattering versions of them and he wanted them real. So, like, he gave his dad his real-life drinking problem. Well, well <laughs> Eric, I have to interject because uh, what, what it, it is is that these five robots are... Uh, Doctor Robert Ford is a child, so one of the one of them is him as a child, and then his family and dog of that era when he was like ten years old or whatever. I'm sorry, I thought I'd say that. I apologize if I had not. No, 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 um, so yeah, so basically he's got this robot version of his family when he was a kid. Um, his rosebud, and yeah, and he likes to come visit. And Bernard is, like, chewing him out a little bit about keeping these outdated robots up and running off the grid. Um, and he's like, hey, look, if you could spend more time with your son, wouldn't you? And Bernard's like, well, yeah, I guess I would. Um, so Bernard, oh, and we also see the kid. Uh, <laughs> what's the command he uses? Get the kid to open up his uh, turn, turn, turn your cheek. cheek. Turn your cheek. Turn the turn other the, cheek. Turn the yeah. other cheek, yeah. That's it. Yeah, he says, turn the other cheek, and the kid's head just, like, splits open, and you see his robot skull, which is kind of cool. Um, so he lets Bernard take a peek at the inner workings and then has him shut back up. Uh, and so eventually uh, Bernard goes on his way um, and leaves Dr. Ford there to spend time with his robot family. Right, uh, yeah, and it- so that's couple, the first part of the storyline. Let's let's pause here and discuss. Yeah, um, yeah. So basically, uh, Bernard didn't. I think I don't know if Bernard was pissed because Robert Ford broke um, the rules by having this extra family that wasn't part of the the computer grid of robots, or if he. It was because when he tried to have them stop, they didn't stop. Meaning, I think it was all the above. Maybe, yeah, because I don't know, you know, because if I was there and it was my boss or or coworker or whatever, Robert Ford, and I would have been, yeah, no problem, I I don't care, you know, whatever. Um, You know, that's not my problem. If there's an issue, I'll let you know corporate worry about it, not me. But then the thing that's scary is that yeah, they almost attacked him. 
and who knows would have pummeled them. Um, well, are they able to? Right. We we know there are limits as to how much damage they can actually do. Well, but yeah, the question is, this is an old model, and we don't, and they're special, right? They're well, they're, special. yeah, they're off, they're, they're off the grid, right? So yeah, they could yeah. have any type of uh, command, yeah. Um, so we don't know, yeah. And and I think that's that's the thing with with Bernard. He doesn't know either. Uh, never mind the fact that well, he knows that they shouldn't be there. Ultimately, I don't think Ford knows. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, well, that's what we're going to find out in the next part, right? Right. Um, and, and but then again, this is an outside influence in the ghost in the in the machine, which we'll, we'll discuss in a second. Um, but if we go back to the house and all that, um, and the whole scene where where you know he finds out about them in the first place, um, yeah, it was it was curious, um, and it makes us aware that Ford is definitely. Based off of this scene, based off of last scene when he was talking to Teresa from the episode prior, uh, he's definitely uh, jumping, uh, not jumping ship, but uh, off off campus or off uh, off the off, rails, off the rails a little, um, and not crazy off the rails, but not obeying you know a protocol. Um, so that kind of cement this a little further. Um, it also um, brings in the Arnold aspect again. Uh, either you guys have any more uh, thoughts about Arnold now? Um, and and oh, not yet. <laughs> we have more. We have more of the storyline to go yet. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. We got more to, and it's. Uh... What I think is interesting is this, and I'm sure there may be other things happening, and actually I think there is more happening with um, with the Ford family, but this is – I think one thing that's significant is that it is establishing that they have the ability to make robot replicas of real human beings. Yes. Oh, that's a good point, Mike. Yeah, from similar to like in Future World, the movie Future World. Right, and I don't think we're going future world with this, where they were replacing world leaders with and entertainment critics with robots. Um, but it's possible then that there could be a uh, an Arnold replica out there. Right, right. That's a fair point. Yeah. Hey, wouldn't it be funny if it was Arnold Schwarzenegger? I guess. I don't know. Or, if that's or, or funny. <laughs> or Arnold from from Different Strokes. Oh yeah, it could be him too. <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? Uh, but I, um, I I also thought that the curious thing about this is that um, um, yes. Well, well, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. So <laughs> that's that's really more related to the next next part of this. This storyline, so we'll, we'll get there. Sorry. Okay, well, let's get to it because this is this is where things start to get a little interesting. Uh, so, uh, Elsie is uh, digging into the uh, the geolocation of the woodcutter when he did his transmission, and figures out what he, where he was transmitting his signal to, and the woodcutter wasn't. Uh, the woodcutter was transmitting to a Delos satellite. Uh, 
So it wasn't corporate espionage because it's sending it to their own their own satellite. So I don't know what the purpose is here. Um, if that's weird as hell, I, I I can't think of an explanation off the top of my head. Um, but it might explain the presence of our our new corporate person. Um, but Ellie's digging around and and figures that out and also finds that somebody has activated the old. Uh, they use a word for it. Do you, do you, Mike? Do you remember what the word was? Was it bicameral? Does that sound right? No. Oh shoot! It might have been. Okay. Uh, but basically, they used to have uh, essentially a, it's an old uh, system they have of transmitting to the robots. Uh, to give them commands uh, that's been offline, but apparently somebody brought one of the transmitters online uh, out in Sector 17 or wherever the hell it is. Um, so she she uh, she basically tells Bernard she's going to go check it out. Um, so she goes to do that, and in the meantime, uh, Teresa pretty much breaks up with Bernard because she's like, Ford knows we're doing it, so we got to stop doing it. Um, and he doesn't like it, but she's firm in her resolve and goes, nope, it's over. Sorry, bud. Um, and sort of for his boss, right? So, Well, I don't know if, see, the hierarchy of the company isn't clear to me in that regard. Um, I don't know if they're, if he's actually, if she outranks him yes, or if the, they're heads the, of different departments. She's the COO. So she is that is stated? Bo- pretty much at the beginning, yes. The, like the first okay. episode or second episode. And um, so she basically is the one that, as Elsie says earlier in the episode, uh, you know, hopefully she falls. This will bring her down. Um, you know, she's been screwing up with, with our department too long, blaming us for everything. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to get a better position better maybe i'll even take her house or or her living quarters and all this other crap so elsie's a kind of a little stinker too um but i like elsie but (laughs) so uh, but but i've got a thing for nerdy little tech girls yeah yeah right well either either way she she's definitely someone you don't want to trust based off of her attitude here but uh and it shows that nerdy tech girls can be scumbags like most people but not a scumbag Nah, she just doesn't like her (laughs) Um, and, and so Teresa is is basically like a VP and has all the little heads under her type of thing. Because that's how I I understand the CEO of of She certainly has Bernard's little head underneath her. Oh. Yes. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Um, but I'm, I'm not, after Elsie saying that crap, I, I've kind of had her drop a little, even though you guys still like her, um. Anyway, but uh, so continue about this, Eric. I, I just wanted to say, yeah, he's under her. She's his boss, under, so to speak. Uh, um, not anymore. <laughs> so they yes. they break up. They break up and go on their ways. And then uh, uh, Bernard goes to talk to her about uh, the transmissions. Um, and just as he's about to tell her about that, his phone rings, and it's Elsie. Uh, and she's found the transmitter out the old theater, and he's like, "It's not a good time." And she's like, "Don't hang up." I found out who's been making the transmissions, and it's 
Teresa. <laughs> it's coming like, from inside the house. Yeah, pretty much, because he's in a room with her when when Elsie tells him that, and he's like, "Oh, fuck." Well, and he was about, um, he was about to say, he was about to say that it was Ford because uh, because uh-huh. this, because basically what it was is he was going to her Teresa to tell her that I think it's Ford that can't be trusted because he has these five robots that are off the grid. And on and on, and then as he's about to say it, Elsie say, calls him and says, "No, it's Ter- it's Teresa." Uh, is- she also tells him that, uh, in addition to her accessing the transmitter, uh, it's also been accessed a whole bunch by somebody else. Uh, and he's like, "Well, who?" And she's like, "I'm not sure. As far as I can tell, it was Arnold." And he's like, "What are you talking about? He's dead." And I love her line here, which is like. Well, for Dead Guy, he's a pretty fucking prolific programmer. <laughs> right. And so this is the ghost in the machine, whether it's a robot or if it's a program running inside the the whole system or if it's a person that's just using a fake identity under the an alias of, of um, or uh, Arnold. Or Arnold faked his death originally. Right. And so it could be one of those four things. Um, we did... Mi- miss one point uh, about Teresa that could kind of relate to this, which is she has a conversation with uh, Chinese executives or Chinese businessmen um, prior to this scene mm-hmm. and it's in and it's in uh, probably Mandarin or Cantonese, one of the two, who knows And uh, but either way uh, that kind of is interesting too because I was thinking, oh, maybe it's a, a call to a Chinese company and she's selling out secrets but when we find out that she's uploading stuff to a Delos satellite rather than a foreign company satellite it makes me think that she's communicating she's not really doing anything quote unquote wrong and this storyline is really actually her as being not just a COO but a true insider with the board of directors or the top dogs in Delos. Right. So I think, I I think she's about to reveal to the board of directors what Ford has been up to. Uh, and that, uh, what's her face? Um, darn it. Um, Elsie. No, um, corporate chick. Oh yeah. Whatever Uh, her name is. Charlotte Hale is her name. Okay. Uh, Charlotte's there because the way Teresa phrases it, she's here to help, certain corporate transitions. Um, I think she's there to give Ford the boot. Right, which is why I'm not sure it's going to end up being industrial espionage after all, because if it was really industrial espionage, I don't think they would have revealed that it was industrial espionage espionage this early in the series. And it wouldn't have been a Delos uh, satellite. Right. So this this is probably some... Uh, internal espionage, internal uh, machinations going behind Ford's back. Right. And, and to go through the old system, she's it's a way that and she thought wouldn't be detected by other influences, which would be Ford. However, actually, it was Elsie who discovered it. Right. And I'm expecting something out of this internal machination storyline to end up being sort of a red herring or a dead end street because it's well, um, whether it's whether it's the meeting with the Japanese, for instance, um, 
to get us to think she's doing something suspicious when really she's just kind of looking out for the company. I thought it but was in Chinese. the end, I have a feeling I thought, it's just, I thought it was Chinese, Mike. Swedish, whatever. Okay, fair enough. Um, I have a suspicion that we're going to end up with her or Charlotte or what or somebody in the corporate hierarchy making a power move against Ford, mm-hmm. and Ford is just going to bitch slap him down. Well, I yes. don't know if he's going to bitch slap him down uh, in a corporate sense. Uh, but I think he will certainly retreat into Westworld where all the robots are willing to protect him. Well, that's what matters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that's, what, that's that's where I'm I'm going to, Mike. I think that this is just a setup to make Ford go rogue. Well, here's the thing, though. Something else we forgot to mention in here uh, is that Elsie reveals to Bernard that she found out that in addition to those transmissions to the satellite – Somebody's been using the old bicameral system to transmit to the original series robots and make modifications. And she's like, I, I don't know what's been changed. They could be able to lie to us. They could be able to hurt hurt the guests. I don't know. But they've been changed and like modified significantly. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't think that's something that Ford is involved with. Uh, because later on we have the scene with the uh, the the younger him robot um, kills the dog robot, and when uh, Ford starts to question him about it, he lies to him, uh, which is not something the robots are supposed to be able to do. Um, so I I think that modifications are being made to the original series robots by somebody, um, at least identifying themselves as Arnold and Ford doesn't know about all that. So perhaps uh, part of Ford's plan and having the robots protect him is going to backfire uh, because robots have been modified in a way he doesn't fully understand. That's a good well, point. Eric. Right. Well, here's my question is baby Ford killing people because he's been reprogrammed. Or is Baby Ford killing people, or not killing people, killing killing real dogs, um, because... Real robot dogs. <laughs> real robot dogs. Um, robot real dogs, let's put it that way. And because there's something really fucked up about Ford himself, and he's modeled after Ford. No, well, no, I, was, no, no. I, was, I was thinking that too, Mike, which is, I was thinking that maybe he killed the Greyhound as a kid, and this was... The ghost in the machine, Arnold, to you know, you know, point, to, you know, being a dink to the, the adult Ford. So I was thinking that story too. But Eric, you're thinking you don't believe it was that. Well, I, I think that the the robot Ford kid was controlled by whatever entity is identifying themselves as Arnold. And um, unlike Dolores's character, Eric, when Ford says, "Are you lying to me?" He has to admit that, yes, I am lying to you. While Dolores, who's a newer model. Dolores uh, is not a newer model, FYI. She's, they were, she's, re- she's, a, she's a newer model than the boy. No, no. The boy she's is one of the first, series one. Listen. Yeah, listen. <laughs> when, when Bernard is checking out the signal, there's a scene where he asks the computer to identify all the original series robots. Okay. I froze the screen 
and Dolores Abernathy's name is listed. But I think these robots, the the Ford family robots, are even pre series one. They're like the Bob, you know, you know the the robot in the basement. Even he's like the first. But and doesn't Bernard specifically identify them as series one when they're talking? Yeah, I thought so. So you're telling me Dolores ha- isn't Dolores is, is the same series as the family. She's one of the old models with the machines inside. All right, that's interesting. Then. All right, then I then I can't explain then why Dolores could lie to Ford and and uh, tell Arnold, yes, he doesn't believe me, I lied to him. While this robot here, when they put her in analytical mode, Ford puts it in an analytical mode, it has to say, yes, I was lying. Uh, I can't explain it either. And, if, well, first of all, we're assuming they all are getting the same modifications. They may not be. True. And I have a... F- I wouldn't be surprised if whoever's doing the modifications isn't aware of necessarily the Ford family hiding off in the middle of nowhere. So they may be, they may not be getting everything or the full effect or, or something along those lines. Right. But they are getting something because they, but they're getting, something. Hear, they're hearing the voices too, the, the Arnold voices too. Because that's what yeah, the they're, they're acting like sort of the canary in the coal mine in that, you know, they're, they're not really relevant to the operation of the park, but they're a clue that there's something wrong going on. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and what was his reason? What what did his reason why he killed the dog? Did he? I, I missed that again. I, I tried because to Arnold told him to essentially. Right for no reason except either the well, he piss said off was, he's, Ford. He's, well, he said the dog was going to hurt other. He was going to kill other things, oh. and that he should kill it because killing it prevented other things from getting hurt. Okay, okay, that's right. I was I was writing this down this morning before work. Um, I forgot about that, which is another idea about this, too, was when Ford's son or the young Ford says this, he's actually maybe Arnold was one of these people that um, was either a pacifist or a fake pacifist, meaning he wanted to kill things that killed. And by doing that, he creates robot that will kill people because people kill things. And oh, maybe, whole... maybe, maybe, or he, or he comes up with, this could be a, we don't know how the logic circuits work or the logical programming. So maybe this is a way around the logical problem, right? Is that, uh, you know, it, it may be that they have, cause this is like, if you've ever read like the iRobot series from Asimov, uh, Asimov, right. There's a lot of that's about finding these logical loopholes. Right, right. And so, what if the logical loophole is that they may, you know, the you must not allow others to be harmed. Mm-hmm. Well, if someone is going to harm others, you can then therefore make the logical assumption that it's okay to harm them to stop others from being harmed. Right. Even if that overrides the no harm, you may not anything. harm someone else yourself. Right. Right. And right. It could, that might even be just a. And maybe maybe the programmer knows they're there. Maybe they're, he's using them to experiment on. And so this is a way of testing to see if that will work on, you know, whoever else is out there. That's a legitimate series one. Was there anyone else that you recognize, Eric, besides Dolores? Uh, that was the only name you could read on the screen because they were okay. kind of scrolling. Right. But you paused it. 
I did. There was there was one of the name. I don't think it's anybody we've seen. Okay. Yeah. So all right. So that's that's interesting too. So yeah, maybe it's uh, a loophole to kill humans um, because he Arnold was programming them to stop other creatures from killing other creatures. And well, if a human is is genetically programmed to have violent tendencies, kill all humans. Right. Right. Uh, and we forgot the the climax of the whole Elsie storyline, which is that uh, she's looking at all the information she got the, from the transmitter, um, although she's still there in the theater, and she starts freaking out about something we don't know what yet. She's she's holy fuck, what's what what is it? And then she hears a noise and says, uh, "Bernard." Yeah, that was telegraphed. And then a little softer, she's like. Arnold, and then somebody grabs her from behind and drags her away. So, right? Did anybody see... get the color of the skin, whether it was um, Caucasian or? I, don't, I think it was a gloved. It was a that's, gloved, sleeved arm. So that's what that's what I thought too. So that was so she was killed by a giallo. That's what I was thinking too, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but the whole scene, even though it was a good scene, um, it was a little s- silly to think that. She would go down there alone without any security. Um, and also, um, it was kind of, uh, I guess, telegraphed that this was going to happen, where she was going to get attacked. Well, or It, it was something. telegraphed, but I don't think it was unrealistic that she would go down alone because they're trying to do this on a QT. They're, yeah. and, and the park is, in their mind, still relatively safe. I mean, the one robot that did try to kill her ended up bashing its own brains in rather than, try, than actually killing but I'm not talking about robots. They know there's there's people besides Teresa that are out there sabotaging. So people. Well, they do still, now. She didn't realize that until she was there. Right. Yeah, all right, that's true. But she and, did know someone. She did know someone was was doing it before, even before she knew it was Teresa. She knew there was people trying to sabotage or steal, which could mean dangerous. Right, and the truth is, though, people don't generally get killed in corporate espionage. You know, people get caught, they get their hands slapped, they get fined, maybe they go to jail, but they're not usually willing to, to take, you know, take the risk for to add a murder rap to their corporate espionage. Well, that's fair, Mike, but, um, I mean, not, this wasn't necessarily corporate espionage, but it, it was a cover-up, corporate cover-up, um, uh, the movie Michael Clayton, for example. Yeah. Where they have... Uh, um, hitmen hired by a company or by individuals in a company to take out whistleblowers. Um, and we've known things like that. You know, Sally Fields played a character in a movie where she won an Academy Award where she, her character in real life, the, the woman died and there's thoughts that it may have been by individuals related to the company she worked with. Well, so, thoughts, but it's still a really unusual thing. There's a reason why those get selected to be made into a movie. Well, sure, and here's sure. the other thing, though, is that this person that's been uh, modifying the robots, um, there it might not be business related whatsoever. It could be, maybe it is Arnold. Let's just say for for shits and giggles that it's Arnold. He faked his own death, and he's been living in the maze ever since. Where the fuck that is? Um, uh, my point being that whoever's doing this may not be doing it. Um, is part of any business motivation 
Uh, and if it's Arnold or Arnold's consciousness in a robot or whatever, um, somebody makes reference to, um, I think it was Elsie, made a reference to the argument Ford and, Arthur and Arnold were having. Um, so apparently there was bad blood between them at some point right before his death. Um, so if it's Arnold, it could just be he's he, it's a revenge thing. Um, and people well, are certainly willing, certainly willing to commit murder for revenge. Well, uh, Eric, me and you have read, read these books uh, called Demon and Freedom by a guy named Daniel Suarez. Uh-huh. And um, that's those stories. It's basically uh, this wealthy billionaire, young guy, like 35, that has cancer. He's about to die. Um, and he made all his money through video game tech, you know, stuff like that. Technology, you know, computer company, software company. And when the book starts, he's dead. And he had a program that he called, that's called a demon that he releases into the, the world's computers that will basically change the world as we know it by sabotaging computers, you know, you know, basically doing like the 1999 to 2000 where the, all the computers are supposed to fold and all that other stuff collapse. And it could be that. It could be Arnold is dead and he just releases a demon mm-hmm. into the system, which is another term for, I guess, ghost in the machine or something else that is there to sabotage um, people. So I'm curious if it's even it's just uh, in a not a sentient program, but a program that is so complex that it can do and make things happen based off of triggers. Could be, and it might have been triggered by the new storyline. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, right. That's a good point. Once Ford decides to do a violent storyline, because I think historically he's never has, it's it causes a trigger. To go off, maybe. Maybe. This is all rampant speculation on our part, by the way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but, you know, with those two books having been bestsellers on New York Times and whatnot, and they were fairly interesting for techno thrillers, um, and, the, and the author is a Michael Crichton disciple, it wouldn't be surprising that they would take influences from some of these stories that have been out there recently within the past eight years or so and and write write it into a new television series on westworld and it would be an interesting twist because it would be much more original than um someone at the end or a talking computer or a robot version of arnold or something like that if you say so i would think so i mean i mean if we saw I find the other possibilities equally as interesting. Oh, no, I didn't say interesting. I said more original. Uh, original, whatever. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I mean, I was just saying because you know, Mike mentioned I Robot. I mean, the end of that movie with Will Smith was oh, yeah. was okay. a computer a computer at the end that was in you know that could speak and talk and all these other things. So I don't. Know. I, I have not read the original story. Yeah. Um, but my understanding is that the movie had very little to do with it. I know, but I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about the the movie version. Oh, okay, where, just, okay. I was just letting you know. Yeah, where, where we've seen something like this before. That at the end of the maze, or at least in that movie, it was a talking robot, that, or a talking computer, I should say, that you know did a I don't know 3D 
uh, film of itself or something. It was, it was just curious. I don't know. Mike, Mike, any, any comments, any, any opinions of any of this stuff? No, not really. I think this would be the, one of the least, less interesting ways for this to culminate for me, but, um, I don't know. We'll see. Here's my question. Is Elsie alive or dead? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I, I would say it's a 50-50 shot. I would, Vegas odds would put it 50-50 because I could see them killing off a, a main character because, you know, that's, that's what these new HBO programs do. However, I could see them having her captured and doing an exposition moment with her instead, you know, but I don't know. Um, I'm curious to see if she'll even be, we'll find out her fate next week or we're going to have to wait until episode 10 as well. What about you, Mike? What's your opinion? Um, I'm sure we're going to find out next week. My guess would be that because this is Westworld, um, they have not been shy about showing us violence. I understand if this was, uh, you know, the 1970s or 1980s on a 8 o'clock p.m. show like, oh, I don't know, Beyond Westworld. They might not want to show you a grisly death yeah. and might want to leave it to the imagination. But this is a fairly visceral show. So I imagine if she was if she was killed, we'd see her get killed. And they would end with her getting killed. I don't think we'd see her getting grabbed and yanked into the darkness. What happens if, if the, the kidnapper is the man in black? I don't think he is. Okay. I don't know who it would be. The man in black. <laughs> but not the man okay, in black. Phil, the man in black is involved in other shit right now. Well, let's not I'm thinking that's entirely. Where... That's where they're going. I, I'm I'm not willing to believe or disbelieve anything 100 percent right now. Right. Um, all right. So Eric, Mike thinks that she's probably still alive because otherwise they would have just. All right. Killed, hold on. Let me let me phrase this. We're working under the assumption, Phil, that the person who grabbed her has something to do with what's going on. I don't think it's the man in black. That's fair. All right. All right. And, and Eric has a fair point too, which is we can't rule out anything because they've pulled things over our. Our head, you know, head before whatever the the friggin' term is that they say. Um, the Maybe it's Wyatt. Who knows? Could be. Um, what What do you guys? Uh, what do you think, Eric? Do you think she's dead or not? She's not dead. Okay. But don't ever rule anything out. I, I'm pretty sure she's not dead. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ruling it out. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm fairly confident. Really? Okay. I, Mike, reason, I think Mike's, Mike's point is valid. Yeah, all right. I, I was thinking that she, I was leaning towards that she was dead and that she was going to be missing, quote unquote, missing for the next three episodes and reappear as as dead on, on episode 10 is how I was thinking. Well, maybe but, she'll be missing, but I don't think she'll show back up dead. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. It, but it was, uh, I guess, a viscerally scary moment because we... Don't know what happens to her. I was not scared. Because <laughs> like you said, it was telegraphed. Yeah, that's true. It was telegraphed. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the super awesome storyline. All it's right. Maeve. Maeve is yep. the woman. Um, <laughs> basically, at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> this is so fucked up. Uh, Maeve is, is uh, at the saloon and sees this rough guy coming and uh what's her face um 
oh shit, Clementine. Um, Clementine's about to go take care of him. Maybe goes, no, I got this one. Uh, and takes the guy up to a room and basically uh, antagonizes him and choking her to death. <laughs> so that she can wake herself up again and have another conversation with Felix. Um, <laughs> that whole concept is so bizarre to me. Um, yeah, so she starts having a chat with Felix, and Felix is telling her what's up, and she doesn't believe it. Um, and he's trying to explain to her that she's programmed and everything she says has been programmed. And she's like, no, you're full of shit. Uh, and then he basically hands her a tablet that is writing out everything that she says a moment before she says it. And that pretty much causes her to have a mini meltdown right there. She like freezes up because she can't handle it. Um, and he starts freaking out because he thought he broke her. But eventually she comes back online and she's like, hey, let's go upstairs since you're talking about these people upstairs. Um, and they they wander through and basically without, you know, Felix isn't announcing anything, but she basically gets a tour of the behind the scenes at Westworld where they show new robots being worked on and trained and everything. Uh, and they had a bison, which was really fucking cool. Um, <laughs> I have a story about a bison. Remind me to come back to it. Um, so, um, they're wandering through and they're seeing all the new robots and all the dead robots being, you know, they're piled up in a room and hosed off and, uh, and everything. And, uh, I think, I think Maeve is actually a pretty good sport about the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> until they get to this wall that's a video wall. Uh, and she sees something that she recognizes as her dream. And Felix tells her, no, it's not a dream. It's it's one of the scenes we made you play. And she's like, wait, what? Because um, she thinks she's been running this whorehouse for 10 years, and it's really only been a year because uh, they programmed her to know that. Uh, and basically he ends up, uh, well, first they go back, and they're talking some more. And uh, what's uh, fucking uh, Dickhead Tech's name? Sylvester? No. What's the other Tech's name? I oh, don't Sylvester. Remember. It's Sylvester. Sylvester's the, the the Caucasian guy, and Felix. It is Sylvester. Okay. Yes. Uh, so Sylvester comes in and starts being a real douche to Felix. He's like, "I should have reported you the first time. I didn't. I was trying to be nice." Do you, do you notice that that Felix and Sylvester are both names of cats in cartoons? You're right. You're right. Which would imply that they're both better than dogs. Pussies. Um. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good one too. I don't know if they're better than dogs. Or guys with this group. Oh, a wait a minute. Ford had a dog. This whole thing is a grand metaphor for the eternal war versus cat people and dog people. Okay. So, but I still think there could be oh something with the Sylvester and Felix and cats somewhere in there. It's probably right. just a joke. It, it, you probably, probably, it probably just a joke, a wink by, by the writer. But anyway, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> Sylvester comes in. Uh, by the way, so yeah. Oh, God, you totally distracted me with that. Dude, very weird um, name, Sylvester and Felix. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a little confusing. 
<laughs> and uh, and Felix had a bird. Maybe he named it Tweety. Uh, anyway, Sylvester comes in and basically threatens to turn Felix in to corporate for uh, playing around with robots when he's not supposed to be. And at that point, Maeve gets up and grabs a scalpel and <laughs> essentially threatens Sylvester's life and is like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to play with us. <laughs> he reluctantly goes along uh, and turns out what Maeve really wants is... Uh, is uh, once they described her how all the robots have settings of different abilities, um, she's like, look, <laughs> she's like, look, okay. She's like, I understand that uh, you guys can erase memories and of robots and everything. Uh, she goes, I totally get why, too, Sylvester. <laughs> Since you're... Uh, you know, letting people have sex with robots when they're in sleep mode. Uh, she doesn't say that, but she heavily implies it. She's like, look, I get it. I run a whorehouse. It's cool. Uh, but look, here's the thing. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything to you. I'm not gonna take my cut. Uh, when what you're gonna do for me is, uh, modify my settings the way I want. Um, and they decide to go along with it. And, they first discover something while they're looking at her settings, which is that, first of all, somebody else has been changing her settings who has much greater privileges than they do. Uh, and that freaks Sylvester out. And then uh, they, she has them lower her loyalty and lower her pain and increase her overall, uh, what do they call it? Max, uh, max at perception. Bulk. Bulk at perception. Thank you. Yes. Um, they, they have them, she has them max that stat out, uh, which is basically her overall intelligence. Um, and so as they max that stack, that stat out, uh, these people are stupid. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it basically looks like she might have a little, uh, orgasm. Uh, and then she says, Okay, boys, we're gonna have some fun, <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Oh. these these two guys are so—they're idiots, absolute yeah. idiots. Yeah, I mean because they're they're talked into it like the Felix is talked into it by a, a wink and a touch. So you know, horniness basically, which is weird because there's hundreds of hot chicks everywhere, and he just happens because this one. I, you know what it is? I think it's because she can wake up. It makes her more attractive to him. And yet he's still stupid because it's still a robot. And she, he knows that she's kind of just tricking him. And Sylvester, I don't get Sylvester, though. Why did he succumb into it? Because he thought he could get a... Because she had a fucking scalpel to him. No, but then later he, he's he's on board, basically. And she then she says, well, if you're going to go down... You might as well go down rich or something like that. It was just interesting. But either way, yeah, these two guys are buffoons. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Uh, but I want to see what Maeve wants. Uh, I want to see what Maeve gets up to now that she's super smart. Because that could be a little scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because then she can now change things completely. That yeah, go on, Mike. Well, I was gonna say it's interesting when I looked at her stat screen, 
her lowest attribute scores seem to be in cruelty. Repeat okay. that once more, Mike. If you look, there's a scene where they're they're looking at her stat screen where you got like this the the circle showing yeah. where she maxed on and the one that see if I read it right, the lowest one was in cruelty. Okay. That was like set all the way down to like zero to nothing. Okay. So I imagine if that's the case, then some of this is gonna be a bluff because she didn't say please rank my crack my uh crank my cruelty all the way up to jigsaw, right? She didn't yeah, okay. I see your point, Mike. So, so she could be the brilliant liberator or the brilliant pacifist instead of the brilliant, you know, um, Mao Zedong. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's it's. I like the fact that she's basically making herself a super genius, maybe an evil super genius, maybe not. We'll find out um, what her what her longtime goal is. You know, is it just liberation or does she have revenge on her mind? Right, right. Yeah, because it'll be curious to see if when she, you know, like she sees the dead robots in the in the washroom and all that other stuff, is she disgusted with it or is she angry? And if she's angry, then it could mean revenge. But if it's disgust or some other or empathy or something like that, she could be using this new powers that she's going to have to change what she thinks is unjust so yeah that's 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 a good question so i'm going to tell you my bison story which is not related to the show but it's a real life bison story i have uh because while they were taking the tour of the place and they see the i'm assuming it's a robot bison that they're training it is uh i forgot how big those damn creatures are and it reminded me of this incident from my own life uh, which is that I think it was in 1998. Uh, I was on a trip out west with my dad, and we are we were in Custer National Park, and we're driving around the perimeter of this park. And my dad, for some reason, got obsessed with seeing bison. He wanted to see some bison, so he's like, "I want to see some bison." So we're driving around, and he wants to see some bison, and. We don't see any, and we don't see any, and finally we see a herd of bison, um, and we're driving around this perimeter road, and off to the left is an access road uh, for the people who, like, work the park, uh, and we're in a Ford Taurus, okay? Um, so my dad's like, bison, and he pulls off onto this service road and drives a little, and this, this herd of bison is grazing they're having dinner right my dad just drives his car right in the middle of this herd of fucking bison (laughs) i'm like um because you saw how big that bison was in this scene right yeah there's big Uh, so so so, yeah so my dad drives his car into the middle of this herd of bison uh and i'm like um dad i'm not sure this is a really great idea (laughs) and he just puts it in park and we're parked right in the middle of this herd of bison. Um, and so we're sitting there and my dad's all happy because he's watching his bison. And, uh, eventually one stops eating and looks up at us and two stops eating and looks up at us. Then three more stop eating and look up at us. I'm just like, dad, 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 let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And he's like, but I want to see the bison. I'm like, Dude, they're going to charge the car. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and finally, I got to convince them to get 
out of there before the bison took action. But he, yeah, he had us parked in the middle of a herd of bison, and they started to get pissed off, and he still didn't want to leave. Anyway, that's what I thought and of when I saw that robot fault, bison. And therefore, it's your <laughs> fault that that story ended in a lame note. It could have ended with you being in a car charged by bison. But no, that would have been the interesting way to go. Oh, God. it was It's like I was closer to a bison than anyone should be. And, uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to have one of those charge your car. The car, the car would probably lose. Yeah, I, I had one. You were one a kid. That, it wasn't your car. I had something similar to that. Um, uh, the Kangas-Mangas Highway, which is this uh, – um, protected road, so so there's no houses or businesses on it. That goes basically from Vermont to to Maine border, straight through New Hampshire, and it follows a river called the Kangas Mangus River. And if you go through it, especially at nighttime, um, it, it's obviously there's no street lights or anything. But you want to go from Lincoln. To Conway, Lincoln is is this big tourist town, and Conway is too. And the road is is the the one that bridges between it. And me and uh, ex girlfriend of mine were were traveling it, heading to a uh, inn in Conway from Lincoln, and it was like midnight because we we left late and whatever. Uh, this humongous moose, like the size of a car. Oh shit, those things are same, even bigger. Same thing, right? It came right up to the car, and and I was like, holy shit. It, we're we're dead, and thank God uh, someone that was actually behind us, which is coincidence because there's usually not many cars on the road. Um, beeped the horn, and the moose went over to bother them instead. And we just I just drove faster than I'm out of here. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's those things are huge. Never mind a bison. So yeah, I, I and you you're in a what a, a fifty of them probably are. Uh, I don't know about fifty. At least twenty of them though. Yeah. I know. No kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's get back to the uh, episode. Um, wh- well, uh, did we miss anything related to this? Oh, yeah. Let's let's talk about a couple of things. Teresa, she keeps on smoking. You notice that? At every she scene, she's smoking. I, I, yeah. I thought it was curious. Um, but the eyes. You know, uh, I paid a- attention to that when I was watching it again tonight, and I don't think that's what you think it is. Um, Wait, I, I didn't see anything, which I don't know what you were looking at. Phil, Phil I, thinks that the reflections off of her eyes resemble the contacts that Yul Brenner had in the original Westworld. Right, oh, there's, no, there's the one shot that. where she's looking at a makeup mirror, right, and she removes her uh-huh. lips. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and it's a reflection of the light in the, in the makeup mirror. Right. Well, let me let let me let me toss this bone out there to Phil, which is I don't know that it was anything other than it looked neat, but obviously the cinematographer or the director chose to have it that way. Now, whether they chose to have it that way because it looked neat or they chose to have it that way because they were foreshadowing something. Right. You know, that's 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 open. But I've said from the start that I don't trust anybody right now. Right. Well, Well, I'm still not discounting the robot possibility. She might be a robot. I still think that. Um, but I, but I don't think that, that her eyes are the robot eyes like Yul Brenner. Well, I, I don't think so either. That I, I think what it was is that the eyes had, um, this weird glow to them that is just a little bit more than a reflection from, say, a light, uh, from like a makeup mirror. Now, I'm telling you, Phil, if you watch the scene again, 
uh, you can like if you pay attention, the reflection in her eyes is the exact same shape as the makeup mirror when they turn the camera angle. All right, it, it, you could be right. You could be right, uh, but I still won't rule it out as a possibility that <laughs> they were aliens. It's no Sasquatch. Lock that, that she is. That was a hint that she's a robot. I, um, I maybe okay. The whole the whole scene was weird because she's just staring in a mirror. Then she starts wiping off makeup. She's smoking a cigarette. It was just, and then the eye or the light from the reflection uh, of, you know, on the eye, I don't know, but it just made, it was something was off. The whole scene felt off, at least to me, at least to me. And it appears that it may was off to a couple of Dark Discussion Podcast Facebook group members as well, because I kind of mentioned it, and in, in a few of them, including uh, Elizabeth um, from... Oh, you're uh, just chumming the water. The archivist best on Sexy Witches. Thank you. The Arcus's bets on Sexy Witches podcast. Uh, she thought maybe it was a, f- a little hint that maybe Teresa is a robot as well. I've been saying she's a robot since episode one, so. That's true, you have. <laughs> this is not news to me. Anyway, that, I, that was curious, I thought. Uh, any other items in the episode that uh stood out or was curious or were hidden messages or anything that anybody had mm. nope all right yeah, no, 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 I, I, I will say that i, I honestly kind of like this uh i kind of like this show better without Dolores and uh william william and logan I, I kind of didn't. I didn't realize how much they were annoying me until they were gone. And I was like, "Ah." Well, do we want to go back? <laughs> and yet, we, yet, last episode was pretty good. We all thought it was a damn good episode too. But anyway, go yeah, on. yeah. Uh, but I'm agreeing with you, Eric. It was oddly more fun when that storyline wasn't involved in this episode than in prior episodes. But go on, Mike. You want to say something? Um. So, Eric, you posted to an article. Uh, on our Facebook page. Yeah. yeah. That huh. talked you ruined, about... You ruined everything, Eric. You ruined my, my whole enjoyment. I didn't write the article. Joanna Robinson. You chose to read it. You know, yeah. spoiler recordings were clearly visible. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Right. So anyway, do we want to talk about... Timeline thing? The timeline thing. Because I'm, I'm, the more I'm looking at it, and I haven't gone back to rewatch... The episodes it's and a perfectly plausible theory, right? So it's also they also said something about Bernard and his real right. So wait, wait, wait. But so let's 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 right now just say if you if you've not been looking at speculation online, and we are not saying that anything we're going to say is true or not. Um, but if you want to avoid possible spoilers, this would be a good time to to sign off. Right. This is this is a um, fan and critic theories that oddly add up quite well, but possibly could ruin people's experience because they now know them, or at least think they know them, assuming they're real. To be looking out for them, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if uh, if people would. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we talk. Say, all right, it's uh, hour and forty minutes in. And say, like, we'll talk. Say. Uh, don't come back for another 10 or 15 minutes or something. 
Right. Okay. All right. If if you don't want to hear these fan and critic theories that are on Reddit and all these other websites, but all right, Mike, go ahead. So right, the idea is that the series is taking place in two timelines. That there is a that the William storyline mm-hmm. is taking place thirty four years ago, and we were going to experience that incident through the William storyline. That in fact William ends up becoming the Man in Black, right? That's, and, a, that's the theory. Yeah. Right, and so we're going to see there's an original malfunction with Dolores, and if you watch a lot of stuff and you got weird editing with Dolores, um, that we'll see what her original malfunction is, and that's going to be feeding into what's going on with her in the current timeline where she's. Now the question is, I'm not sure, I'm not clear on where she's having the conversations with Arnold, uh, not Arnold Bernard. Right. Um, oh, and oh have- actually, that is that. Oh, yeah, that's good. I, I think the article said that that was the past, but oh no, or the, or the present. Yeah, who knows? Or know. whatever. So yeah. I and I actually because they said like if you look, you have two different Westworld logos. Right. Um, that there isn't a lot of, a lot of overlap. Specifically, when you realize that what's going on with Dolores is in two separate parts of the timeline because she doesn't age then that untangles sort of the knotted timeline a bit. Then it explains why we didn't really see William until the second episode. And remember the second episode, um, what was the title of the second episode? Um, I got it right here. Supposed to remember that. It is Chestnut. Chestnut, right, which refers to an old story. Oh, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. true. So that may be. And that had me thinking that if indeed William is... The man in black, and the man in black is asking, "Do you have you finally found um, an opponent worthy of me?" Makes me wonder: Is it possible that Wyatt is in fact Logan? Interesting. Because remember, we saw Wyatt get shot. Wyatt get shot, and it had no effect. And we hypothesized it might have been a guest. Okay. Yeah. Did we see Wyatt get shot? Yeah. Okay. Or his people got shot. So I'm just. I was just gonna say, I know thought. we saw. I know we saw people in masks get shot. I didn't think any of them were were him. Oh, I don't remember. Well, somebody in his mask. I'm just was wondering is that, that that's a possibility? If you're looking for, if in fact he's William, then wouldn't his worthy adversary be the dick that got him into the, all this shit in the first place? <laughs> that's okay. Um, but anyway, that was just again a thought or a possibility. I have to be honest. I'm finding it uh, for the people who just jump back in. Get off. Get off. Get off. We're going to spoil it for you. Um, the uh, I, I'm finding it more and more plausible as I'm thinking about it, but I do want to rewatch and see if there's anything to it. And someone, one of the producers for Westworld, had commented with the fan theories and say that some of them are getting close, but of course he didn't specify as to which ones are close and which ones aren't. Well, and and also there's the fact that the actual official HBO Twitter account before the series even aired. Uh, dropped a hint about the logos, right? So they're 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 really uh, it's kind of interesting because uh, after their experience with Game of Thrones and everybody just going ape shit and trying to find out what's going on and what's going to happen, um, with this series they're kind of baiting people and inviting that. Uh, whereas with Game of Thrones they were trying to really just kind of trying to avoid all spoilers from people, but now they're like. Hey, here's this thing. You try and figure out what's going on. Come on, see if you can figure it out. Um, 
and I think I think some people may have. Um, Joanna Robinson, the woman that uh, wrote this article for Vanity Fair, uh, is also co-host of a different Westworld podcast called Decoding Westworld that she does with Dave Chen. Um, yeah, and she's uh, she's done a Game of Thrones thing. She did a Breaking Bad thing, and having listened to her theorize a lot in the past on different shows, she is correct more often than she is incorrect when she comes up with a theory. Uh, so she she might have figured that out. Yeah, well, and she gets paid to do these things, unlike us. That's true. She also does. Yeah, yeah, she she can spend hours freeze-framing Westworld and get paid for it. God damn it. How do I get that gig? Internet searches (laughs) and and reading reading Reddit posts and all these other great things that I don't have time to do. Right, right. Yeah, I want that gig. We need more Patreon. Come on, Patreon. Start (laughs) donating money so we can retire and and do this full-time. Yes. Uh so yeah, I I I think they fit every whole aspect to this to prove that it's it's correct. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's, yes, uh, but I know um, because they are trying to say now in this uh, again. Don't don't listen. You could get off uh, that Bernard is a robot too. So even though we, we're seeing him in two different um, timelines, he looks the same. He doesn't age. That's right. So that's tricking us to think that it's the same timeline. If you didn't figure this out, like Joanna Robinson and all the people on Reddit have done. You um, know what is pissing me off a little bit? Go uh, ahead. The, the the mysterious uh, uh what uh, park elevators? Like, oh yeah. Like like Ford Ford and Bernard just use these things and they like just like pop up randomly somewhere in the park they want to go. And step out, and that's all you see. You see this thing pop up, and they step out, and you see it go back down into the earth, and you don't see like, what is it? Is it like a tube? Is it like a? Is there a? Is there a path that they have to take? Is it a train? How the fuck do they uh, get we, out uh, there? We do see them, uh, Elsie and the security guy do it in la- in the episode uh, with the woodcutter. They take what? the elevator up, and they show them going up the elevator. Oh, so it's just that's just somewhere under the park. Yeah, but yeah, okay. it, it is still weird. I agree, Ark, because it's like, why would they have these elevators that pop up in in the middle of nowhere when they probably cost thousands, I mean, actually millions of dollars to make? You know, because why would they have one in Sector Seventeen? You know, right, right. You know, it makes no, it makes no sense. Yeah. Well, you, you would have to for a park that size. I mean, it's sort of like Disney World, where there's all sorts of secret ways in and out of the park for the employees. You need to be able to get places quickly and avoid the crowds. And in the case, uh, and and also you don't want to, if you need to get into a ride, you don't want to see somebody walking, you know, through the Pirates of the Caribbean. Right, right, yeah. And you can't use jetpacks because then that would take away uh, the, world, the world of uh, the Old West because of right. people in jetpacks. Right, so. so I imagine that they have ways of getting in and out, you know, that, you know, that's probably they walk there and there might be like a little just quick lift to take you up or down. I don't think it would cost millions of dollars. I don't think these are turbo lifts like on yeah, but, okay, you know, the so how, how big is Westworld? How much, how much ground, how much ground did they have to cover to get out to Sector 17? I'm guessing lots. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like the size of a, um, 
like I guess like Area 52 would be in, in so, Nevada. So you're telling me there's an humongous. underground tunnel that goes five miles out to Sector 17? I know that's that's well. This has to be big. Well, let's keep in mind that this is old west. See, like again, in a real amusement park. Most real amusement parks are smaller than they appear because they're carefully constructed to right. maximize the use of space and to obstruct sight lines so that if you are in, like, again, if you're in Disney World, if you're in Tomorrowland, they don't want you seeing, you know, Redneck Land or whatever that, you know, the, no, no, I, I, get, right? I get all that. So, but a but lot here, of this... what I'm saying is with, with this, since it's an old West theme, you have these massive vistas That's you have I'm to saying. be able to see for miles. So I imagine these right. are huge, but yeah. I'm, I'm assuming, and I could be wrong. I'm kind of assuming that this is sort of constructed out in the middle of, you know, like the Arizona desert or somewhere where there is massive amounts of space that yeah. you could By the way, work. By the way, I've heard another it's... wacky theory. Uh, <laughs> are you ready for this one? Right, uh, before, before you say it, um, Mike, uh, it's, it's actually filmed, I think, in Utah. So, anyway. Okay. But, yep, but go on, um, Eric. I've, I heard, I've, I've, I've heard another wacky theory that Westworld is on Mars. Yeah, it doesn't work. Gravity. Yeah, I don't think so either. But... Yeah, the gravity thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. John Carter of Mars! That's right, they already proved it in John Carter that you would be able to be a superhero. <laughs> That's right. Um... Yeah, I, I, I've, I've questioned that too. I, I would have thought they would have had a, a better thing of getting around the park and something as complex as these humongous I don't know I, I know like you said Mike they wouldn't cost that much but you would think a company wouldn't just waste money for a random elevator that would be used maybe once every five months in the in sector 17 no but I don't I imagine that's well I imagine they have to go out to each sector on a regular basis and and they have to prepare for you know, whatever the storyline is, whatever wherever the guests may go, you have to have access. And wherever a robot gets killed. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So even though, you know, you you may have to do it, it may be it may be ineffective. There will be others where it was more cost effective, but without knowing where people are going, you aren't gonna know that. They it's a matter of preparation. Yeah. Now this this whole theories that was talked, including uh the reason the man in black is trying to break the maze um, is so he can convince, uh, get Dolores free so Dolores can fall in love with him naturally or something is one of the theories that was discussed in this article. Um, but if that's the case, do you think the Westworld has nothing to do with a robot rebellion after all or, or otherwise? Because the, in the article they did specifically ignore the, the Ford and and Meave stories pretty much are really just focusing on the black man in black storyline. Right. I don't think you could make a Westworld series and not have some kind of robot rebellion. I think that would be foolish. Uh, I think it would disappoint way too many people. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they're, they're having multiple stories uh, that are quote unquote interesting that aren't necessarily related, but eventually they all come back together anyway, because one storyline is going to try to free the robot so they can choose a guy to, to fall in love with them, you know, by choice rather than program, mm-hmm. which itself would also cause the freedom of the robots. And then they become more like Meave. And in that story, Meave is trying to um, uh, gain her freedom and then probably bring other people as well. 
And then, of course, we have the the last storyline, which is where the company is trying to possibly take over from uh, Ford, and then Ford's going to go probably into the the park and make it like a little uh, castle with a moat where you know no one can touch him, and these robots will protect him. And then there's the fourth, or or even another storyline, which is there could be a demon program or an actual entity called Arnold that could sabotage that plan too, which would cause even more chaos. So um, they could go many ways in in this story, and all these things could lead back to one main story, which is Rebellion of Robots. Right. I still think that's ultimately where this has to end up. And I would say that uh, this episode with concentration on Maeve's storyline is a strong indicator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and based off of um, uh, the Teresa storyline, too, just for the fact that trying to push Ford out, and we've already seen how powerful Ford is with the robots, never mind Ford being worried himself that there's this demon program or something called Arnold that is actually even more powerful than him. And which is concerning him. So I think, I think the yeah, it's all pointing that way, Eric. I think, and uh, it's kind of, uh, in my opinion, a cool way to get there rather than just uh, you know flipping a switch and the robots go crazy. Right. No, I think it's much more plausible this way, um, and that's the advantage of having a television series format rather than a movie format. Because uh, in your ninety-minute movie from nineteen seventy-three. They really didn't have the time to get into it. Um, they were just like, yeah, the robots are going crazy. I don't know. <laughs> and that's that. Yeah, and, and that's absolutely right, Eric, because uh, obviously people want to see the action, and you can only set up some, uh, a 90-minute story so much versus, say, you know, a, a series like Game of Thrones or or uh, this, where they could go on for season. I mean, we're, uh, we're in episode six now, and they're still setting it up. Yeah. yeah. Really? That... You think it's setting it up? I, I think mean, they set sure. up the mystery pretty quickly, and I think we're getting more clues to fill in the mystery. Right? I think we're, we're getting to the revelations. It's, they're giving us it's clues. It's still a mystery, though, and it's, it's, nothing's really been revealed yet. So, yes, I think they're still setting it up. Well, if you've read mysteries, don't get usually solved until the end. That's the reason they're mysteries. Right. That's what I'm saying. But I think it's beyond setup, or what I would define as setup. Maybe we're just defining I guess setup. I, yeah, I think we define that differently. Right, right. Okay, so so it's, it's really just a semantical issue that, that we're debating rather than, yeah. rather than the definition of what we mean. Um so, all right. Um, so the previews uh, show kind of allude to exactly what you said, Eric, which is, or maybe it was you, Mike, I can't even remember anymore, but one of you said that the Robert Ford story where he's going to go running into the maze or, or the park, I should say, and all the robots will protect him uh, based off of what I got out of the preview. So I think it's going to go that way. But I love what you said, Eric, I think it was you, said that, there's also the demon program that could make that all backfire even on him. Well, and I don't know. That's that's. I'm trying to figure out whether there's an actual Arnold or not. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, 
I'm trying to figure out whether it's a, a, a robot that he programmed or whether it's the actual dude who faked his own death or whether it's his consciousness put into a, another robot replica. Yep. What Could about be you, any Mike? Of those. What about you, Mike? I don't know. It's like I said, I'm, I'm open to anything. I think anybody right. could be a replica. I think that what we're seeing is you're going to see the the incident from 30 years ago is going to be like World War One, and the incident that's coming up is World War Two. You know, it's one leads right into the other. Hmm, interesting. Right. That whatever whatever we see happen transpire in the original incident will end up sowing the seeds. It, there'll be be a period of where everything looks okay, but you got the man in black running around in the beer halls. Rowling things up, and he's going to start shit, and it's all going to go downhill at the end of the season. Yeah, and there's going to be the huge cliffhanger. We have to wait another uh, thirty. Well, maybe years. I don't know. I know they have planned this out for four or five years. Okay, and I don't know what sort of guarantees they got from HBO about their. And we haven't. I don't think I've heard anything about a renewal. Have you? Uh, I've heard mentions of season two. I think it's on at least that far. Because I, I, if they have to think, uh, there's nothing that pisses people off more than having an incomplete story. Yeah. And <laughs> I thought you were just going to stop there. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> no, uh, no, there's I just, nothing I that just... pisses people off more than having an incomplete story. No, I just laughed because I, I, <laughs> I, I just went to Google Westworld renewal, and for some reason I hit re- return after Westworld, and the search thing that came up was. Uh, from web website which is that Westworld is at its strongest when it's not teasing us with alternate timeline bullshit but it's uh, <laughs> right so look if you're like let you want to like uh game of thrones makes a shit ton of money on its dvd sales i imagine if they want to make money off Westworld dvds on the off chance that it's canceled they probably wanted to have a complete story in that first season they don't want to end it off uh okay, Westworld is not renewed for season two. Not yet. yet? Okay. Not yet. Okay. Um but in the rate and it says apparently the ratings are continuing to go down, but the HBO president says Westworld renewal chances are looking good. I wonder if that's all just uh hyperbole and, and, and they already know yeah, what we're renewing it, it's just that we're just saying this. You know, to keep Uh well I don't think I mean if they they have to see how it goes and if the ratings are going down if they don't start picking up especially after as it depends on what happens if the ratings keep going down so they had about 2 million viewers according to at least one rating thing I'm looking at right now rating viewers uh was about 2 million the first episode and then it's dropped down to 1.5 then back to 2 then 1.7 and now back to 1.48 basically with those numbers I believe the way they're counted is just within the hour of when the show airs. Right. Uh, and they could, there, there could be a bunch of people using HBO now or go to watch it later that they're not counting in that number. So who knows what the actual number is? I'm sure probably HBO, HBO has a better idea. I was going to say, I'm sure HBO has a way of tracking that. Yeah. And I would agree with that. I mean, as we discussed, Mike, uh, last week, um, you know, walking dead, debuted uh and and we figured that most people were going to go 
watched that because not that everybody's a fan of Walking Dead that would like Westworld, but you know, their genre fans sometimes overlap and then they would sit and not watch Westworld since Westworld's not the new product. It's episode five or whatever it was at that week versus the first episode of a new season of, of Walking Dead. More people are apt to go and watch the debut episode of a season than, you know, episode five of another show and they can watch the episode five later. And and here's the other thing, which is that I think binge watching is pretty much part of um, our new TV culture, uh, you know, streaming. And, uh, you know, even though the networks are clawing for dear life to try and hang on to their model, I don't think it's going to work out in the long run. Uh, So I think streaming and binge watching is here to stay. Um, And I think through the experience with Game of Thrones, they've uh, probably learned that at HBO and know that there's probably a good deal of people out there um, that are just waiting until this whole thing is done so they can watch it all at once. Yeah, that's true. There could be people that are like that. I know there's, Mike, you mentioned you, there's a lot of people that like the, the water cooler talk, and Westworld is a show that would be a water cooler show. But, but it's not there yet. Right, it's not as fam- popular yet. And also, um, Eric makes a good point, too, which is a lot of people, and I know a few folks on our Dark Discussions podcast Facebook group page have already said, oh, I'm, I'm planning to watch the, the show for sure, but I'm not um, a, a person that waits week to week. I do the binge, like Sean Quinn Robinson, um, he he actually says exactly that. So he waits until the season's over of Game of Thrones or whatever, and then he just buys the disc and he watches it, binges it that way. So right, and I think when you if you watch the first episode of the show or the second episode of the show, uh, you should have immediately gone, "Oh shit, this is one of those shows where it's a it's a big puzzle and it's all going to matter how it comes out in the end." So, fuck it, I'll wait and see, because I'm not investing in a show if I can't get the answers, right? Yeah, that's a fair point, yeah. So, if they stick the landing in the last four episodes, and if they give mostly satisfying answers to the 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 mysteries that were set up this season, they will leave things to explore next season, but they need to basically give us you know, the, the background, what happened 30 years ago and where the robots are going. We need to get to the robot rebellion in episode 10 to give people a reason to say, okay, this, the show is going to continue. I'm interested in continuing the show and the people who have not watched it, it is worth your time to binge watch the first season to get caught up so we can talk about it. Sure, sure. Well, for for folks that are curious, uh, the positives is this show um, has been matching True Detective season one, which which most people began following. Um, the the negative is if you look at Game of Thrones again, this may not be a fair comparison because this is, this is season five of Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, the average viewership of that was around six to 8 million and we're only averaging uh, 1.5 to 2 million for this or season 7 of Walking Dead its first two episodes have been averaging um, 16 and a half million versus 
you know, Westworld, which is only averaging again, 1.5 to two. But again, that could be just because of the new show or it could be a bad sign altogether, which is because I think the show was kind of hyped. And so if it's only getting 2 million or one and a half or whatever, I don't know. Is that, is that a bad thing? I don't know. So, well, and I do have to wonder how much does a show, um, in which, like, I found this last episode gripping. And I think, like I said, one of my, I thought one of the best scenes in the show was her, the editing and the, the music and the pacing just really worked with her reading the tablet as it's flashing out her words as she's saying them. I thought that was a fantastic scene. But I can see a lot of people just preferring, wanting more Gatling gun. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So it may be that this show is too talky and I hate saying this because it makes me sound like a pretentious douchebag too cerebral right. you know um, but but you know what it, compared to True Detective it's matching that every episode of True Detective for season one which was hugely debated and talked around the water cool, cool yeah. and, and, and so forth but True Detective may have been cheaper obviously the two stars that they got you know, were equal to Anthony Hopkins' salary, for example, but the, they didn't have the special effects necessary as, say, Westworld, though they did have to have a large period piece, on, if not period piece, but, yeah, I, I guess it's a period piece, right? So, I don't know. It, it's a curiosity. Maybe it's, it has nothing to do with viewership. It has to do with cost. You know, because yeah, Game that of might Thrones, also be part of it, yeah. right? Is that it's viewership, it's cost, it's long-term potential, you know, if they they don't want to commit to a second season, if they're watching the ratings deteriorate right now, they don't want to commit to a second season of an expensive show to watch them completely crater in the second year. Right? right. If, people, if people come out of um, this season finale and go, fuck this show, this show is fucking stupid, I'm not going to watch a show ever again, huh. yeah. uh, then maybe they don't renew. All right, right. Yeah, no, I gotta say, uh, I gotta give Tani Newton a bunch, a bunch of credit too, because she's uh, an awfully good sport about spending a lot of time sitting around naked. And know who appreciates that? Phil. Well, I, do I would, too. I would, I'm not I gonna would, lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's very positive. She's a, very... a good-looking woman. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, Evan Rachel Wood too. Yep, they have some good women that are willing to take their clothes off. Um, and that's very positive, yes. Uh, I'm looking at Bates Motel. Uh, Bates Motel, uh, after season two or three, I think it was season three, they said there's going to be two more seasons. Uh, and they renewed right away. And Bates Motel, uh, season three and four, is averaging only around 1.65. Um, so but, it ca- but you're talking about a show that's basically set in suburbia, which is a lot easier to film. Yeah, that's true. And and even Verma Verminga, even though she's somewhat of a name, she's not like a huge name. You know, she's not right. she's not not you know some like uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Or Scarlett. I was going to use female examples, which would have been Scarlett Johansson or Kira Knightley or something. But but you're right. She's not even Anthony Hopkins or McConaughey. She's more in the Woody Harrelson range, I would think. <laughs> which isn't negative because you know, I mean, he's was big at one point and still having a decent career, if not the leading man he used to be. Um, yeah. Uh, 
so yeah, that's that's just a side thing we're talking about, which is you know will the season series survive, and that's that scares me now um, that they haven't renewed it. I, I just assumed it was already renewed. Um, well, yeah. that's but, all right because uh, it was all ruined for you anyway. Yeah, that's right from that damn article. Uh, <laughs> but Mike, Mike, I, I would agree with you that they probably will leave it since they're not sure whether they're going to go for season two. They may leave it where it will be like a movie, like a slasher film where, where there's a ending that wraps up everything, but you could continue if you wanted to. Yeah. And that's what I think that they're going to do because that makes sense because why would they have a, a story end without, um, you know, something, a, a clean, a clean cut. So they could, like you said, sell discs or whatever. Later or whatever. And the thing I'm most curious about just is, would be to see whether or not Anthony Hopkins survives, because I have to guess, and I could be wrong, that he's a big part of the cast budget. Sure. Um, and if he only signed on, but he, I also imagine he's a draw for a lot of people for understandable reasons. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he, he's actually he been rules. The, the, yeah, he does rule. And, I, and he, he's the best uh, actor by far here. And I know, Eric, you like Meeve's character the best. Which is understandable, but um, Hopkins, you know, he's he's pretty he's pretty damn good too. But go on, Mike. Yeah. So if he he may not come back next season to save cost, or maybe he only agreed to do it for one year, or maybe you know him coming back will be you know a reason he'll him willing being willing to sign on, you know, will then negotiating his salary. Maybe that'll be a factor in determining whether or not they come back. You know, there could be things about, well, we need less of this and less of that, and we need more boobs and tits and cocks in order to up the viewership. You boobs know, we and need tits? What? And yeah, boobs okay. Boobs and tits? Yeah, whatever. I think he meant tits and ass is what I think he meant. I know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, they may, may want to up that quotient. So, right. so yeah. next week's episode is titled Trump. Loyal. It's a French thing, I'm assuming. Trump? I can't pronounce it. Trump. T-R-O-M-P-E. Trump. T-R-O-M-P-E. Um, Loyal. Uh, and it's a French term, and it's an art technique that uses realistic imagery to create the optical illusion that the depicted objects exist in three dimensions. Horse perspective is a comparable illusion in architecture. Um. Yeah. All right. So, and Eric, memorize that because you're going to say that again at next week's. Uh, uh, no, you're you're going to no, you're going to clip you're, it out of this episode and use it again. <laughs> you're the you're the Frenchie. But Eric said it so eloquently. I, you're I the Frenchie. Off, I was reading off Wikipedia. You can too. Fair enough. Yeah, the, uh, it's the it's the Trump Leoil, and then episode eight is called Trace Decay. Episode nine is called the Well-Tempered Clavier, and then number ten is the Bicameral Mind. So apparently, yes, that was bicameral. Ah, okay. There are, are a bunch of pretentious bastards using these these big words. <laughs> not a, so much big as Trump, French. Trump Leoil, <laughs> Clavier. They got apostrophes and, and shit. And bicameral, and yeah, they got postures and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes. so uh, if you if I don't want to spoil anything, but if you are interested, they do have the episode summaries for every episode except the final one. 
Um, they okay. are like the like the TV guide, quick blurbs. We won't give them out now, but if you are interested in seeing what's upcoming, you're getting teases of that. You can just go look online and look for uh, uh, Westworld episode summaries or something like that for for googling, and I'm sure you'll be able to find them. Yep. Yep. All right. Yep. So, uh, and uh, interesting is, is episode nine and ten. Uh, the last time I had checked Wiki, which I think it was last Wiki, week, Wiki. Uh, for for Westworld. There you go. Um, they didn't have those titles up yet. So uh, yeah, this was just I, I forgot when you mentioned asked about the news earlier. I completely forgot about this. But yeah, this is they released these yesterday or Saturday, sometime in the last two or three days. Yes, yes. And uh, episode 10 is uh, directed by Jonathan Nolan, which is good. He did the uh, first episode as well. Uh, they have not announced the writers, though, which is uh, of episode 10, which is interesting. They, they haven't announced anything about episode 10 except, except for the finale. So there is no summary for episode 10 because, you know, it could be something like, you know, you know Teddy attempts to deal with the ramifications of the death of the man in black. Well, you know, well, that just ruined everything. <laughs> right. Right. All right, sounds good. So um, I think we uh, all agree that this was a, a strong episode. Uh, we, it was an interesting episode because it uh, streamlined by only focusing on some characters rather than what was basically the main storyline for the past two episodes, which was the William and Dolores uh, stuff. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Um, I'm assuming they're coming back next week, though. Um, yeah. And I'm still waiting for that big scene with... Uh, uh, Clementine. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been in the previews where they show her, like, behind the scenes in the in the, the underground office park uh, snapping someone's neck, I think. Yeah. So, so that'll be curious. All right, so uh, any further things? Anybody want to bring anything else up that we missed or, or final thoughts? I'm good. You, I'm Mike? good. I'm, I'm exhausted. Yeah, sounds good. All right, so uh, we can wrap it up, and uh, thanks for listening. So, uh, Eric, why don't you lead us out until next week? All right, thanks for tuning in and listening. Let's talk about Episode 6 of Westworld. Come back next week. We'll talk about Episode 7, Trump World. Or something.